Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. I'm probably going to sound like a broken record, but it is boiling here in Naples. We are at 40 degrees and rising. This morning, I have Mary, Mary M <laughs> joining me to talk about non-native speaker English teachers. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And a very good morning to you all. Um, Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. This morning, I have a, a very special guest, um, and it's quite timely that she's joining me this morning, um, because I'm not sure if you're on social media very much, but recently there has been quite a lot of debate about native versus non-native speakers. This isn't a new story. It's been here for a while. It's been around for a while. It's always been here, actually. Um, when I started out as a teacher, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to get my job because I was Australian. Um, and at the time, not many Australians were working, well, no Australians were working for the British Council here in Naples. Um, we're talking about 30 years ago, but I do remember as I then went on in my career and I employed Americans, um, I had a, a phone call from someone in, in the local English speaking community that was quite surprised that we were actually employing Americans. Um, went on <laughs> and on and on, and here she is. <laughs> Are you there? Hello. Yes, how are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about you because um, you have, um, a fascinating life and um, I'd like to sort of hear a little bit more about it. You've got a Master's in Language and Cultural Studies. Um, you have a CELTA, a DELTA, and um, you teach and have taught in um, all over the world from what I've seen. Yes. You're originally from Yerevan in Armenia. Yeah. Then you studied in Buenos Aires, mm -hmm. Kuala Lumpur, San Diego, yes, Italy. I've been around the world. I've been around the world. That that has to be said. Yes, but all of this, I I want to mention uh, that it was all before I was uh, thirteen years old. So I came to Italy when I was thirteen, and I'll be turning thirty six this year. So it's uh, something that I, you know, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about the journey in more detail. But it's something that I was, you know. Uh, saying a lot to recruiters you know with my international experiences but uh really because that's what they normally want to hear right people want mm -hmm. to hear of this uh, very multicultural experiences but in actual fact i think that since i was so young it really didn't yes it had an impact on me but i wouldn't say i was you know so culturally aware and that didn't it did play on my, you know, as you know, I learned English as a first language almost because that was the first like schools that I went to were in English. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that 
that was the major impact that English, you know, played in my that that was not <laughs> the part of the formation. It doesn't take three years to properly be associated, you know, with English as a native speaker or as any kind of speaker of that language. And in fact, uh, we're going to talk about that a bit more in detail, I <laughs> exactly, think, with yes. that conversation today. <laughs> We've had quite a few conversations already. Um, and it's, I mean, it is quite interesting. Um, I know social media um, is obviously a bit, there's a few heated discussions at the moment mm -hmm. um, going on. And one of them was actually prompted by um, um, a head of English programs for the British Council, I won't mention which country, mm -hmm. um, who posted a, 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 an a infogram basically asking, are native teachers always better than non-native? Yes. Oh, sorry. Are, are native teachers always better than non-native? Definitely not. And four reasons why. Mm -hmm. This was then shared quite um, profusely on social media. And then that caused a little bit more of a discussion, hence the topic of our discussion this morning. Yes. <laughs> but yes. before we get on to that, yes. could you tell me a little bit about your, your journey? Yes, of course. Uh, well, specifically, my teaching journey started when I was about 23 years old. And I was just finishing my university studies in communication uh, in Parma. I didn't study languages at first because I was under the impression that I knew I, I spoke four languages. So I didn't think that I was going to need uh, to formally kind of get that training. Uh, a teacher career is not what I was going for, even though a lot of people had advised me like during my school years. My, my grandmother used to be an English teacher at university in Armenia. And, uh, you know, everyone kind of, everything was pointing in that direction, but I refused to believe. I wanted to be a journalist to begin with. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what came over me, but at that age, I just wanted to, you know, um, kind of free myself from, uh, you know, the family ties and everything. I wanted to be an independent woman. And I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, start working uh, by myself. I want to be independent. And so I did, and I started with like giving repetitions and I had a job uh, advertisement online and I had very few students. I had about three uh, children who I would, you know, give repetitions to and uh, help them with their school homework. Mm -hmm. And I got a job as a um, shop assistant. And that is when I received a call from um, a school from Bologna, actually, who had... Um, who just saw my advertisement, I guess, online and decided to contact me to offer me a job. Right. This was like over the phone. And I, I answered, I, I didn't like my job as a shop assistant, uh, frankly. Mm. And I did want to do something else. And I was just about to finish my study. So I was kind of looking for something, but I didn't really know what. And so when they proposed this, I I was a bit shocked because in in our, at least in my background and in the things, you know, that I was faced with in life, I never thought that you could improvise being a teacher. And that is what I said to the person I was talking to on the phone. I said, well, I would gladly accept it, but I'm not a teacher. And it was very weird to me, but they kind of, they were happy with how I sounded, mm. I guess. And so it was like, don't worry about that. You're perfectly fine. And just over like a five minute conversation, they were willing to give me the job, which I then got. And I ended up teaching English in uh, business English in companies, very quite famous and popular. I mean, in, in, in Parma, in the city I currently live in. And I did that for a year and a half. 
So I well, did that. Yeah. I without mean, any, yeah, without any training. I mean, I know that is very, very training, common. Yes. Yeah. It is very common because that's, that's, that's what I'm kind of fighting against because I don't think that that's the right way in terms of if you are, if you look at it from the perspective of a student or as a company that hires a school to come work with them, you, you do expect professional teachers, don't you? Mm. I mean, it is the service you're paying for. You don't just expect someone randomly to be picked up. Like, you know, why don't you just come and work here? So I kind of, I, I didn't, didn't like that position in the, like to be put in that position where I was totally improvising my teacher career. And, um, I did my best because, you know, I was given the books and I tried to make, because I, I spoke English just like, you know, uh, regular <laughs> as, as native speakers would, you know, just, uh, having used and, and studied in the language, but I didn't know anything about you know, grammar and, and, you know, how to teach grammar, let alone, I didn't know grammar myself. So I learned as I was teaching mm. and I had ve two very good colleagues who were patient enough to kind of, I, I tried to, I, I made it, them understand that it was something that I would really like to kind of deepen my knowledge in. And one of my colleagues suggested that I take the CELTA and I went into, I sought formal training, etc., And I decided to make it into a career because I liked it so much. But at the same time, you know, you see what happens around you and uh, in the same with with the same school from Bologna, like we had so many people coming in and out, you know, people that came in just for like holiday seasons or mm -hmm. uh, just people literally like passers by would come in and do lessons. Yeah. And I thought that that was just preposterous and then just uh, out of line and out of place. And some people were not as professional as I was, you know, uh, trying to <laughs> trying to prepare a lesson plan and, you know, try to get things in there. Like they would just have conversations. And mm -hmm. again, it was really to me, it seemed very strange that that would be that would constitute like a proper lesson for them. And no one really mm, said anything. No. extraordinary yeah I mean there is that I think it's it's changing a lot now but there was that sort of backpacker um you know you travel around Europe teach classes and um I noticed that you you pulled out a um another employer the other day on social media yes. and I think they're kind of promoting that kind of lifestyle um yes they are <laughs> they are unfortunately you find it everywhere you find this type of advertisements as in I, I spoke at Equals and at IATAFL recently, and I did call out this behavior of treating the, the English teacher as if they were, you know, like a paid holiday, you know, the, the job as a teacher is like a paid holiday leave or so, of some sort. Mm. And it just sends the wrong message, especially to those non-native English uh, teachers who have, you know, had to back their knowledge up with credentials and qualifications and certificate they had to both economically you know financially and time-wise just sacrifice a lot for that mm. and yet they're not given the same opportunities so it's you know needless to say i find it very unfair that 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 is how things are okay Let's go back to your journey because you yes. were in. <laughs> yes, you sorry, were in. <laughs> you did. Um, you you were you were in in Parma. Yes, still. yes, yes. And so yeah, I had a year and a half experience there at that working at for the companies uh, that I worked for. So um, um, it, it was quite a quite an experience. And then 
uh, year after year, I would find like uh, six month uh, projects or a year projects working privately in language schools. Mm -hmm. um, I currently work for an international school here. So, um, I mean, I do feel that, you know, the qualifications do help you uh, if you find an organization that is willing to um, go past that definition of, you know, we are looking for mother tongue native speakers. So that's that's something mm -hmm. um, positive. But yeah, I've, I've always had a job as an English teacher. I've, this been, it's been 13 years now that I've worked as an English teacher. And I had a negative experience uh, with the University of Parma, actually. Um, trying to find a job as an English teacher because I was not allowed, and this is where the whole journey started. Um, a private company from Rome had contacted me and they were looking for a Delta qualified teacher. And I got my Delta in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I offered, they were really happy they had found someone with that profile. And they sent me in to simply, you know, confirm everything uh, with the with the person in charge there. And what I got was just uh, meeting that person. I just got very strange. Um, I got a very strange feeling because I made the mistake of speaking in Italian. Right. And the person in front of me, I think, started to doubt that I was, you know, capable of doing uh carrying out the job at hand and she she just looked at my cv and obviously saw that i had completed my studies in italy uh, i finished my high school here and then when you know in, in lecce in, in puglia and then i moved to parma and so she was like okay uh no i think there has been a mistake and i was really I, I kind of sensed that it was something to do with maybe my nationality or and so I proposed I said to her well what could the, there couldn't have been a mistake like I was sent I properly spoke to this company oh but the, they are working for us and they have to find a person suitable and we're the ones defining that and huh. so no dialogue uh, I couldn't speak in English I wasn't allowed to and I even offered I said well why don't I just try it was an IELTS course by the way and I said why don't I just try this out and if you don't like it or if you see that my methods and my approach is unfit and then you can just decide but you know nothing nothing could be done there <laughs> and um, and I left and I called the school back and they they told me on the, over the phone that it was just because the the person in front of me did not judge did not see me fit for the role simply because you know that could an Armenian uh, you know fit this this position like in the in the right way could could she be a suitable person so obviously the answer to that rhetorical question was no and so I was sent back home and that must have been pretty upsetting, I would it think, was. because I mean, I, I have a Delta like you and I know how hard you work to get one <laughs> and how it changes you as a teacher Yes. Um, and how it helps you interact better and understand your learn, learners better and mm -hmm. understand teaching in general. So I am, I'm really sorry um, that happened to you. Um, Thank you. It isn't, un, it's not uncommon. Um, I worked for a company that has a very clear um, equal opportunity and diversity policy and it is implemented. I had, um, I had um, Polish teachers, Ukrainian teachers, um, American teachers. I mean, 
it's uh, it, it's um, you know, we we we, um, we if people have the the qualifications needed for the job and they perform well in their in their interviews and I'm sure if they'd given you a proper interview yeah. um, they would have seen um, learnt more about you and perhaps not had that. Yeah, but Definitely. unfortunately, I mean, even funny things like people's names mm-hmm. are, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, um, the, uh, a couple of years ago when we moved into our house, we had some had some um, IKEA boys, some Bulgarian boys, I think, coming in to put up the furniture. And when they got to at my house, they were really, really excited because they saw Rita and they're like, German, German we need German lessons. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm Australian. I can give you English lessons. And they're like, nah, we don't want English. We need German. We need to get to Germany and work in Germany. And I was just like, I'm really, really sorry, guys. But sometimes people see a name mm-hmm. and they they immediately make um, make a decision, yes. which I think is really wrong as well. I know I had yes. teachers they were British or Irish and but they had Italian names and so mm-hmm. sometimes even the name on your CV can oh, can yes. block absolutely anyway. even just a name that is misspelled in my case M-E-R-I like for the longest time when I used to work for these companies I would say you know Mary and M-A-R-Y and I was not even allowed to kind of correct the students um, if they had you know written my name out wrong and just anything to kind of make you know, formalize the fact that I was in fact an English teacher. But then I would say things like, and I I do admit I used to, you know, accept this as a way of, okay, yes, I understand. I have to kind of fit the mold and I'll try to be. And I used to say things like, you know, I'm originally from Armenia, but I am from Armenia. I'm not originally Mm. from, it's not that my parents are Armenian and I'm not, and I've been brought up. I I, I do have that experience of, like we were saying at the beginning, having traveled and having lived in different places, but I don't think that, that that really is the point, you know? So I feel that it's not okay to, it doesn't matter when where someone is born or where they were, you know, where they grew up. Sometimes you find in this teacher job applications where they request for, I know, uh, the in the past uh, 10 years, you should have lived in so-and-so country. There are, <laughs> There are so many cases, you know, where people um, uh, do live in a country, but they are not, you know, integrated with the culture or, or they are, it, it doesn't mean anything to be in a place in today's world, you know, where no. we, it, it just does not, I can literally be locked up or live under a rock, you know, and have my own kind of resources, yes, uh, and be learning a foreign language elsewhere. I mean, I think... You know, the, the full immersion experience also that some countries have to offer. And normally you would find, uh, I mean, I have a sister who works in Ireland, in Dublin, and I most of their language teachers, English teachers, are not, in fact, uh, Irish or English or anything of that sort. They come from an array of different backgrounds mm-hmm. and nationalities, you know. And so it's been brought to my attention that sometimes a student would be like, well, why don't I get a teacher from here and we can we can talk (laughs) but they are from there (laughs) they are from there and especially they are teachers Mm. so I don't think that it's very hard to have a conversation with students because they are in their customers their clients right and I know that they have some sort of expectation 
but I argue the, with, with the fact that, you know, we can argue that it is the service provider that has to kind of guarantee a quality in the service. Mm-hmm. You just don't want random people speaking the language who are not teachers. It would discredit the school ultimately. And uh, people just have to understand that globally, first of all, English is a global language. We speak about lingua franca. We speak about it. There is no ownership. Nobody owns the language. And so if we still stick to this narrative of English being spoken only by, you know, this inner circle countries that Katru has defined and, you know, <laughs> it's not it's not about that. And the sooner we get this word out, you know, and I think with every at every level, you know, mm. at every at every stage of this hierarchy, uh, we need to spread this awareness and educate people. But even those who are simply around us, I talk about it with my friends who have nothing to do with the educational system or, you know, uh, with colleagues, with recruit. I speak to everyone about it. Every time I'm outside talking to my son in English, someone might stop me and say, oh, uh, where are you from? It's so nice that your son can speak English so well. So where are you from? And then I say Armenia and then they kind of bring themselves. Uh, I don't do they speak English in Armenia? I say, no, they don't. <laughs> oh, but you speak, uh, and I say, and I sp- I'm speaking to them in Italian. So they are like taken aback by how is that, you know, you don't have such, such a strong accent in Italian either. And what, there are people in the world who speak more than one language. And Absolutely. there are people who speak more than one language at a very proficient level, at a very high level and can be good at both. I don't understand this this kind of a division between, you know, this categorizing a person's skill through, oh, you can be good at one thing, at one language, at one. Uh, Normally when I talk to sometimes with strangers, people will ask me, oh, is your husband English then? (laughs) Of course, because... Because I don't look the part. I don't look the, you know, I don't fit the English teacher part. And so I say, no, I, I am the person who, oh, but, you know, and before I say this, they'll go on thinking, you know, is your mother from, is your, like anyone who they don't see and who they would accept, but it's just a, and then I, I, I go on to tell them, well, listen, I, you know, take a deep breath and I explain the situation and I say, it doesn't matter where one is from. If you're a qualified teacher, if you've had the experience, if you've taken an interest in teaching someone. And, and, and you've gone through the, the courses and you, you're not supposed to sound any way, you know, you can sound any way you want an accent and pronunciation. <laughs> so you've, you've, you have an, an Instagram page called the non-native yes. speaker yes. and you post quite regularly on it. Obviously yes. this was prompted by the experience with the university. Yes. yes, it was, it was, I kind of, as I was studying, I didn't have time for it, but I, I have a whole folder on my computer of all these things that have happened over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, I have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of material I can, you know, expand on and, and mm-hmm. uh, recreate things that are, and I think it speaks to um, a wider audience because I think, you know, the majority of the teachers out there, uh, you know, in the ELT world are non-native English teachers. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, think I thinking, I mean, if you just think of how many teachers there are in Italian schools mm-hmm. um, who are teaching English, um, it's, um, <laughs> yes. you know, their numbers are high. There, they are. I mean, I sometimes get calls, you know, could you find me a, a, 
a native speaker babysitter um and i'm just saying i think do, do you think that they're all just sort of lying around <laughs> naples waiting for a phone call um that there, there aren't very many and i think i also think there are quite a few changes in 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 the world um and there isn't that sort of oh i'm going to go off i'm going to leave finish university um do a CELTA travel, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's it's becoming less frequent, I think, certainly um, for with student debts yes. and, and all kinds of things, that kind of, that person yes. doesn't exist anymore. And also Brexit makes it extremely difficult mm -hmm. for but them. The message I think that we're sending out there is that anyone can teach. And I think anyone who knows English can have a conversation. Definitely. But I think that it is unfair and, and, and so incorrect and probably also illegal to charge someone for a service you're not even providing. I mean, you can have a conversation with the teacher as well, but you want to know that if you have a question related to any of your doubts, that that person can answer you because you're paying for that. You're not paying for a conversation. Mm. Right. And I feel that, that that is not addressed enough. And uh, there are people who can learn, you know, with a more inductive approach just by speaking, just by being around. But there are people who can't do that. Yeah. And uh, if, if that's OK with you, if you don't want a teacher and you just want to practice having having a conversation, then go for it. It's not something that I'm saying, you know, don't ever do. But I'm just saying that it's not OK for companies to advertise teachers just being native speakers and not formal trained teachers. And, gonna, and to sell that service, you know, I'm going to come back to that um, because I think that's I think for me, it is actually about educating clients and customers. Yeah. Um, what we'll do is we'll just take a quick pause and go to the news mm -hmm. and we'll be back in about five minutes. OK. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible.
stevewoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1360 pounds in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chigwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at witherslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, the Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, has written about his determination that all pupils should get a world-leading music education in her schools. He said, Music is one of the greatest joys in life. Whether you prefer to listen through your headphones to help you concentrate in the gym, or you spend your weekends discovering hidden gems at loud underground gigs, music has a transformative ability to bring people together. This country has a rich musical culture. Paul McCartney is headlining Glastonbury this weekend and the Rolling Stones are playing Hyde Park, 60 years after their first gig. These icons continue to thrill us all and the Glastonbury lineup is full of incredible young British talent. I am, I am determined to uphold that by investing in music education for the next generation. It is vital that all children have access to these opportunities to ensure that music education is not reserved for the privileged few. To enable this, I am continuing our Music Hubs programme worth £79 million per year, so schools can continue to access local specialist support to deliver exciting music lessons that help all children develop a love of music. There is an additional £25 million to boost stocks of musical instruments. It has been widely reported that Prince Charles has called for the history of trafficking 
by slave traders of African people to be taught as widely as the Holocaust in Britain. The Prince of Wales told Commonwealth leaders that the potential of the family of nations for good cannot be realised until we acknowledge the wrongs which have shaped our past. Prince Charles described how he was on a personal journey of discovery and was continuing to deepen his own understanding of slavery's enduring impact. A royal source told the Sunday Telegraph that Charles had noted that at a national level we know and learn at school all about the Holocaust. That is not true of the transatlantic slave trade. The source continued, adding, there's an acknowledgement that it needs to happen. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello! Last week, I spotted a tweet from Nathan Ginn. Some of you may know him from his Twilight Tuesday show here on TT Radio, others as at Nathan Lesson Copy. He tweeted, It's that part of the school year where it's uncomfortably hot at school and raining at the weekend. He's proven correct in most parts of the country for the past couple of weeks. The question this week is not, has Nathan jinxed us like Rihanna's Umbrella song, but... Can tech keep us cool in the classroom? So, let's see if we can find out some gadgets to make baking in a boiling room with 30 kids cooler. Please note I'll only be looking at personal devices, not commercial cooling units. First up, if you have a spare 20 to 30 pounds and don't mind looking like you're about to enter a mini gurning competition, then perhaps a portable neck fan is for you. It looks like you're wearing chunky headphones around your neck and depending on speed settings can give you a light breeze to hero wind that will stand your hair on end for up to 21 hours. Driving away heat from your neck and face, USB rechargeable, this may be the answer for any hot-headed teachers out there. Next up, a portable evaporative air cooling fan. Again, depending on size, you're looking at 15 to 40 pounds. This works on having a small reservoir of water and a blind-like material soaking it up inside. Air passes over the water and gives a cool breeze when you're sitting in front of it. Having had one of these, I can say they do work, but the downside is people just can't look with their eyes. Inevitably, people will come to your desk, ask what it is, and pick it up, covering themselves, you, and possibly your computer in water. Also, if left over the summer without drying it out, it will go a little green and need disposing of to reduce the risk of spreading Legionnaire's disease around your classroom. If on a tighter budget, a USB desk fan can't fail. Before you start pointing out that USBs are deactivated in your school, the data transfer may be, but the power will not, so you'll still be able to power and charge devices over USB. Some come with docking stations, making them more portable, others are wired. From 5 to £20, these are more pocket-friendly and also less hassle. So if you're in need of a breeze as you wind up the year, tech can come to your rescue. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us how you stay cool or ask me what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Oops, that's me. Mary, unmute user. Mary, you there? Mary, it might be better if you mute yourself and then unmute yourself. Briefly. Can you hear me? Are you there? Oh dear. Hello.
I'm, I've just added in the chat, if you, those of you who are with us live, if you have any questions for Mary, Mary, please, can you mute and unmute yourself? Um, or at worst, um, go out and come back in again. Here she is. Um, sorry, no, Mary. Okay, I'm going to keep talking um, because this is quite an interesting topic. Mary, could you just come out of the app and then come back in, I think, or mute yourself and unmute yourself? You there? I've lost my I've lost my guest. Um, she'll be coming in again, I think. Tom, can you help out here? Anywhere? Any? Here she is. Okay. Hello. Hi. I was actually on. I don't know why you didn't. Hear no, you it's hear a me. yeah. It's a little tech problem. When I mu I muted you for the news, and I. Okay. I instantly regretted it because this is this is an, a new bug in in our in Podbean. Um, okay. It didn't used to happen. Okay, um, okay. but we're back now, so that's, we're back. That's what, I could hear you fine. I could hear you fine. It's okay, great. Connection there for a second. Doesn't matter. I'm glad you're back, though. Yes, um, me you recently took an IELTS exam. <laughs> yes, I did. Could you tell us a little bit about the experience and? why you did it? Well, I'll start with why I did it in the first place. It's because um, I don't I don't necessarily fit in any kind of box, uh, whether that is fortunate or unfortunate, I still have to decide. But um, it's just that sometimes when I say that, um, I don't really say this, but sometimes people assume that I'm a mother tongue speaker of English. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't find that that is true, but at the same time, you know, this simply my name, the non-native speaker is just something that kind of, it's something provocative. It's something to kind of, you know, start a thought process there, because I do think that, um, my level of English is quite like the mother tongue speaker type of level. Um, however, I cannot be defined as such because I was like in terms of being born or having, you know, my parents speak to me in English. No, I didn't have those experiences. Um, and now currently living in Italy, uh, some Italians or maybe like, for example, I did my MA in, in Italian and I had to choose yet another language. And it, Italian, it was just uh, assumed that was my language, but it wasn't mm. because I studied it when I was about 13, 14 years of age. So it, it's... It's a very messed up uh, situation. It's very chaotic for me to properly define myself because I don't, I'm not a part of any group of any kind of, you know, I, I feel that I'm Armenian. I have Armenian roots. I am Armenian, etc. But I'm teaching in English in Italy, <laughs> which is very, I mean, I think a lot of people have the same problem, really, that they just don't fit a, a specific box. I, it's very hard to tick those boxes for me. So um, going back to that, some of the institutions that I worked for wanted me to take the IELTS in order to uh, show how proficient I was in the language. So they didn't consider my MA, they didn't consider my CELTA or DELTA. And they asked me, like, well, what level are you? And, you know, for <laughs> native speakers, they can self-assess this, you know. Uh, they have the, the CEFR, the Common European Framework, which they can self-assess and say, I'm proficient, I'm a mother tongue speaker, and nothing is asked, you know. 
but for me personally, with these institutions, institutions asking me for it, I thought, okay, so you, you just want to go past the fact that I've done all this work and you just want me to get, okay, fine, so I'll take the IELTS. And why did I choose the IELTS? Simply because I, uh, when I did my module three course in Delta, I, I did um, exam prep classes. <laughs> it was it was on that, and and I thought, okay, I I have this down. I know how to teach it. I've had students with who's had successfully, you know, gotten their the score, the band score that they had wanted to. And I thought, I'll just take it and see how that goes. And I also promised to reveal my findings there, which I did online because I thought. You know, enough with the imposter syndrome. I'm not going to try and take it, retake it for the wrong reasons just to get a C2 level. I'm just going to try and do it as a, a native speaker would, let's put it this way, and see what I get. I didn't study for specific strategies, let's put it this way, because mm -hmm. I, I always focus on productive skills and not receptive ones, obviously, when I was teaching. And so um, I did the, the reading was a 7.5. Mm. I got the listening, which was an eight. Um, writing was eight as well. And then the speaking was nine. Right. Which gave me an overall overall score of eight, which is borderline between C1 and C2. But in the Italian institutions, uh, it's considered a C1 level. Right. So I don't know what good that did me. I mean, in terms of uh, <laughs> giving me some extra points to, you know, go to a concorso and say I, I have this level. Because I can't, I can't properly go and say I'm mother tongue. You, you, you know, because I, mean? I can't self-assess because I wasn't born. <laughs> I wasn't born in the right place to do that. So I had to take it. And uh, for the long, when I got it, I was a bit disappointed. I thought, my gosh, at least the writing should have, you know, just with a, a very, just a, a tad more, I would have gotten the, the, the score I was aiming for. But then I thought, wait a minute. Uh, here comes the imposter syndrome again, because I'm so uh, sure that many native speakers would score less than that if they were ever to take, you know, that test in particular. And I didn't go for one that was specifically for achieving the C2. I could do that, yes. But I think that beats the point. I think the point is that I can admit or I can say that in this test I got a C1 level. Mm -hmm. And I can still be an English teacher. And at least I've done that extra step, which I think, you know, as a proficiency test kind of shows my abilities and skills as far as the IELTS goes. And uh, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, your profile is pretty clear. Um, but it is, it's interesting that have you, you, you've done Delta. You need to have... <laughs> <laughs> you need I to know. have that level to to actually pass the delta. But I'll tell you, I've got I I have a, a lot of like I got a lot of formation there because people said, well, what do you have to prove that you're this way? I'm like, I'm a teacher. That was not enough. And then I had to literally I showed the handbook for the delta modules, and it does not say, which I'm a bit upset about. It does mm. not give you any kind of certification. It says that you need to be a C1 to C2 level mm -hmm. to attend. Yeah. And it doesn't say that upon completion or, you know, upon I don't know what, after you've finished all, you've got the global certificate, then you have a certain level. So Cambridge does not give you that. 
because it's not assessing it's your not assessing level of English. Your, yeah. It's so, it's <laughs> it's testing your teaching skills. Exactly. <laughs> but the IELTS is not testing your teaching skills. It's testing. <laughs> and people need to be aware, like if you go and see, if you just want to, like out of curiosity, just it's online. You can check for the Delta Handbook and just see what the exam is like. Mm. And it's very thorough and it's very specific. And it's very, and I'm very proud of myself that I managed to survive the Delta. And you could ask any teacher who has it. Exactly. Do you confirm, Jane? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yes. yes. It, is, it is much harder than the IELTS or any other thing. But the thing is that you come out from there without a proper certificate of, of knowing that. So you're, you're kind of left to fend for yourself and to show those associations. And again, institutions or people who kind of don't, won't tell, won't, won't, acknowledge that or mm. they will say we don't recognize that or yeah. we're not familiar with that and Italy is one of those countries unfortunately that is really really uh, behind in terms of recognizing teacher qualifications I think so, I, I do I do agree with you there and also I think the whole kind of the whole system um, people I mean obviously if you're going in for an, into the Italian system the qualifications that you have um, would normally be yeah. um, sufficient. I have friends of mine who have done masters, um, but that's not recognised by yeah, universities yeah. Masters, here. Masters. <laughs> and exactly, <laughs> master studies are not does not don't don't qualify for, which, says, <laughs> which you know says a lot about the educational system here. I mean, uh, how can you not give a certification any sort? You know, just even a minimum requirement. Let's put it this way: after you've completed your MA. Um, it just then you have to go to an external, you know, body organization mm. to kind of validate what you've studied. And I don't think that that is OK. I, I don't see how that can. But that is what it is. As some local people might say, why don't you just move to another country? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think but, you can do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. But I had my chance of doing that and I didn't take it. So there you go. Here we are. Uh, I don't want to be complaining about it. And I'm. I'm also proud that I kind of conformed to the rules and, you know, the Italian legislation. I didn't just go, oh, they won't recognize me, but it's on them. Mm. I kind of went through the formal education system as well in Italy just to see where, how far that would get me. But we're still, we're still waiting. The jury's still out on that. So I'll, um, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> I mean, talking about imposter system, uh, imposter syndrome, uh, yes. sorry. I mean, what advice would you give to non-native English speaking, non-native English speaking teachers? Yes, yes. It's hard to right overcome there. this. Um, I think just uh, from my personal experience, uh, you know, I, I don't claim to be an expert on this, but just from my personal experience, um, I, I've, I've spoken about it in a, in a short live as well on Instagram that I don't think that we should, we do, we do seek a lot of formal training because we do need someone, you know, external from us to kind of confirm and validate what we already know deep down inside, but we need I mean, that, that's what happened to me. I've, I've sought a lot of formal training and a lot of formal, and I had to stop myself from doing that. And um, it's, it's just not okay if you keep doubting yourself. So you have to, you know, talk positively to yourself and specifically don't feel that you are uh, less than or not right for some position, whether it is teaching or not. I mean... You just have to realize that as long as you're intelligible, if you're not a teacher, that's fine. And if you're a teacher, uh, 
you just have to be okay with what you have. You know, you might have an, an accent and everyone has an accent and you don't have to apologize for it. I've been to a lot of uh, talks recently where people who are non-native would apologize before they, oh, I hope you can understand. Of course, you're a teacher. How can you say that before even starting to talk? You know, it's like yeah. you, you would discredit yourself so much. And I, I just think that, that that's just the worst way to go about it. And uh, to also stop to, to just... Maybe if you don't feel confident, but try to at least pretend that you're confident in your own skin and you're comfortable in the person that you are. We can't. Well, it's about out. accepting your identity, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, it doesn't matter what your name is, and you know, oh, and you. People think that a lot of a lot of native speaker teachers are there because they are better than them, but that's not really the point. You know, you find a. In the ELT world, you find such an array of, you know, different people from different backgrounds. And that's the beauty of it, I think. Absolutely. You know? I think, um, David, um, the, going back to this sort of the, the, yes. the fuss on social media about, um, you know, are non-native speakers better? I think um, there was a, a sort of a call out and, and it goes back to something that was devised um, in 2009. It's an equal opportunity opportunity and diversity handbook and it doesn't it, it's balanced because all we want all we need to learn a language well is to have a teacher who is proficient mm -hmm. in the use of English um, in Italy it's it's a lucky dip with that mm -hmm. um, they need to be trained and qualified on programs with substantial teaching practice and observation and observation is fundamental there. Um, experience with a range of learners and course types. Someone who is committed to professional development, so they're continuing to learn. Um, willing to experiment with new teaching approaches. Able to tailor lessons according to learners' needs and purposes for learning English. Yeah. There is, they can be native speaker or non-native speaker, mm -hmm. but they can deliver the same thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> which seems very equal, right? And unfortunately, it's not what we see, you know. I wanted to mention the, the CFR descriptors, you know. There, mm -hmm. there have been these substantial changes that, they, that have been published in 2001, and that they've taken out, uh, you know, references to any sort of terminology that says a native speaker. So, for mm. instance, instead of saying uh, a C2 level would be, the descriptor would be understanding a native speaker, has become understanding an interlocutor or something that is more vague, more generic, mm. uh, or says something like, um, uh, given an opportunity to adjust to a, to a non-standard accent or dialect. So that has been taken out, for example, and they don't talk about accents or the, it being non-standard because what, how can you define <laughs> something as non-standard, right? Language is in, is in constant evolution. Absolutely. And the fact that you kind of say that something is non-standard, well, what are you referring to specifically? And what is the accent that you're seeking to teach? And, you know, the RP. So many teachers say they don't teach pronunciation simply because they don't feel that they are, you know, they don't feel confident enough and they think that their pronunciation is wrong or <laughs> there is no wrong or right. And it's just so funny to me that, you know, it's still, it, this has been, uh, how many years now? Uh, this was in 2001. So over 20 years have passed. And here we are still 
debating on whether it is okay to use the terminology or not, you know. Um, some things like Osira uh, can sustain relationships with users of, of uh, target language and can understand native speakers. So that has been obviously, you know, taken That's out. That's been so. taken out. I mean, there was, there was also quite a, um, an interesting case last year where um, I think a teacher was in, a teacher f from Greece, mm -hmm. yes. um, went, yes. uh, applied for a job because her school in Greece had closed down. Um, she applied for a job in Germany mm -hmm. and was rejected because she was a non-native speaker. Yes. And she su successfully sued Mm -hmm. the company yes <laughs> and i'm so happy for that Kay, because it just shows you that sometimes you know you have to take matters into your own hands mm. and properly speak up for yourself because um you know i don't know what brought that on for her but uh, obviously it's it's unacceptable when that kind of thing happens but you also have to have what we were talking about you don't have to have the imposter syndrome when you're doing that mm. which is you know which you kind of end up having because for so long when you look around because we say okay there are laws against it and um we'll mention now the the article 21 of the eu basic rights that protects us in, mm. at least in europe from this type of thing but what you see does not actually reflect what is there you know black on white where we can actually apply these laws so something new actually uh, that I discovered, you can actually go to a website called, can I, can I, uh, yeah. Yeah. it's uh, europa.eu uh, .eu and uh, forward slash your Europe. And there is a, um, there are basically um, different categories or assistances that they give. And one is you can report an obstacle. And you can do this anonymously and you can say, and there are currently, I know, about 800 now in Europe about any kind of situation, not only for, you know, teachers of English language or any, any sort. Uh, and you can report that because I think that it is really, really important that uh, we keep, you know, our work environment fair and equal to everyone yep. who has the right education and, and formal training to access it. And so it's not just saying, you know, uh let's raise the no it's actually act actually actively doing something about it like the post you were mentioning earlier um it didn't take long i just called them out uh publicly on instagram and i mentioned them they could have replied anything they wanted to and they decided to take down the post but huh. that what <laughs> what is good about that is that other teachers don't see that and think oh i'll never be a native speaker or, oh, this is, you know, I'm going to quit my job because what's the point? And especially with online platforms, all they care about is uh, you being a native speaker and, you know, some sort of some experience here and there uh, and you're fine, ready to go. So I, I think it's it's like we cannot see those things and just uh, passively, it, you know. Not yeah, I mean, it, the thing, the, I mean, certainly moving forward, I think, um, a lot of it is we need to recognize ELT as a profession yes. and that has that has certain requirements yes. um, and some online platforms obviously don't tend not to respect that um, <laughs> and there are other basic human rights like working time and pay and yes. Um, yes. things like that are also being a little bit overlooked but that's a whole nother radio program <laughs> definitely yes <laughs> It can go far and wide. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, 
what should people do if they want to follow you? How do they find you? Well, uh, first and foremost, I think uh, I'm, I'm most active on uh, Instagram yeah. currently because I don't have much time to do anything else. But I do have a YouTube channel as well, which I'm slowly growing and I'm trying to put more content out there. I do monthly get togethers and you can find that on Instagram so you can mm -hmm. join on the conversation because I think that uh, joining in conversations like this is fundamental and we we have to not keep talking about it yes but also address it like from a very very um, kind of active perspective not just uh, being aware of it is just not going to cut it we really need to do something about it so you can follow me on instagram and i post uh, maybe not on a daily basis but at least uh, you know, in stories yes but you'll find something useful if you are a non-native english uh, speaking teacher to just see something that might reflect i mean your own thoughts is just also good for me sometimes to get it out there get mm -hmm. it out of my system sometimes my colleagues will say well it's not really about no it it always is about that it ends up for me in even in specific contracts and things when i see that that the saying of native speaker and my, like it's everywhere once you start noticing it's like when you want to buy a car right <laughs> you suddenly notice the same model and like why Everyone is driving that car. No, it's just that my focus, I've, I've just honed in so much on the subject that everything seems to be about that. And it's not okay. <laughs> it's really not okay. <laughs> we are in Europe, uh, if I remember correctly, and this shouldn't be something that we're seeing on a daily basis. But I get a lot of people writing to me from Southeast Asia, and uh, it's worse, definitely worse there. A lot of people have been keeping in touch. And I, I tell them to share things that they see Mm -hmm. online or in real life and share them with me and if I can I do something about it mm. or I post it or I, I make sure that there are people also that don't acknowledge this they say this never happens oh no we've gone past we haven't gone past that I really I really need to say that out loud because many people say oh I did never see that if you haven't seen that maybe in your organization well done I mean it's very good I'm happy for that mm. But you can't just look around you just, you know, in your very small circle of, you know, in your bubble of, of, of your work environment and not see what other teachers are going through. Uh, because it's not really about non-native native. It's about the teacher category per se. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Let's move on. Yes. I want to know a few things about you. I mean, you live in Parma. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. for those of you who are listening, yes, Parma ham where's your top foodie spot in Parma and uh, dish <laughs> well there are very uh, I don't want to name well in Parma uh, tortelli are quite famous Alerbetta, so they're very um, kind of heavy I would say heavy mm. cuisine you know with proper you know butter and things that you you wouldn't <laughs> diet on that but uh, my favorite food in Parma would be uh, the Parmigiano, so the local cheese, I have to say, mm. and the prosciutto crudo, so the Parma ham would be my favorite. I don't have a specific dish that I would really like vouch for in particular. There's just so much, and Italy is you know, well known for having good food at every corner. So, uh, And if I had to suggest a restaurant, I really like uh, Parmarotta ah, in Parma because, okay. yeah, they have lovely, lovely things. Tell us a fun fact that most people don't know about you? 
A fun fact. Um, well, I I'm very shy. I think that that is <laughs> you are <funny>. not. <laughs> that is funny. I'm I'm an introvert and I'm very shy and I don't like actually having to be you know put on the spot. Um, so it is really uncomfortable for me. And sometimes I say that to my students and they look at me like, are you crazy? How can you, you know, you stand in front of people and, but no, um, in, in my nature is very like quiet and I don't like, uh, talking a lot or speaking about my own, you know, uh, things. And so when I say that, I think most people are, and I, I, I'm also a singer. I like to sing a lot and I used to have a band. I say used to, because with the pandemic, I didn't get a chance to kind of locally perform or have gigs around. But uh, that's another thing about me that I don't think com comes across a lot on social media, especially there. But I love music. Wow. And I, and I hope you get your band back together yes, then. Yes, me too. <laughs> Sooner or later. <laughs> so the, looking to the future, yeah. if you just to round up briefly, mm -hmm. tell me how you see the future. Well, in terms of like what I'm I'm uh, working towards, mm -hmm. I I would really love to have to to be put in a position where I can help non-native English speaking teachers, but not not necessarily just English teachers would be great um, mm -hmm. for you know to have the equal opportunities that they can they should have in the first place and not to be judged by you know what the I'm going back to the article that I, I still want to mention, you know, the, art, the 20, uh, article 21 of the EU basic okay. rights that says, yeah. uh, especially the one that is um, about nationality. And uh, can I read it out to you, actually? I sure. have it yeah, here because yeah. I want So um, first of all, it says any discrimination based on any grounds such as sex, race, color, ethnic or social origin, genetic features, language, religion or belief, political or any other opinion, membership of a national minority, property, birth, disability, age, or sexual orientation shall be prohibited. And then the next one right after that says, within the scope of application of the treaty establishing the European community and the treaty of the European Union, and without prejudice to the special provisions of those treaties, any discrimination on grounds of nationality shall be prohibited. Hmm. And... I would really want to be put, I have a position or an active role in um, making that those words count. Yeah. That that would be my future prospects. Good. Well, yeah. I, I wish you the very, very best of luck. I, I, I totally understand. Um, it's, it's something that does, we just need to get on <laughs> and, yes. and, and focus Leave on behind. what a real what a, what a real teacher um or a teacher needs yeah. and and that is if that's clearly defined we can all work towards a common cause well put yes and thank you for this opportunity i really enjoyed talking Very, to it's you it's been lovely talking to you and getting to know you um and I, I can't believe you. I don't believe you're shy because I've, I watch, I, I follow you. <laughs> you um, think so? You, you wouldn't think. That's that's why. That's a fun fact for you. I totally. You, you can ask my my relatives. Will tell you. Yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> but you okay. know, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank um, you. I look forward to to meeting up with you again one yes. day. Yes. Um, come back when you've got some more news for us. Um, um, next week I have. Um, Stefano Palumbo. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably find that name quite interesting. Um, because what nationality would do you think Stefano would be? Uh -huh. 
just because <laughs> I'm just going to play along and say he must be Italian, but obviously he isn't. <laughs> well, he's both. Yeah? He's bilingual. So, oh, yeah. there we go. Oh, um, I didn't know those but, existed. <laughs> they do, they, and there are a lot of them. Of course. Um, so we're going to be talking about his, his journey from teaching to training and mm -hmm. to now life of life coaching so that will be an interesting program next week um, thank you everybody for listening thank you mary for coming and talking to me this morning and i'm going for a swim now it's boiling here <laughs> i wish i could join you yeah. oh, gosh. if you're down this way do let do get in touch and yes. take care thanks thank so you much. everyone thanks for listening and Bye. i'll see you all next week You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.